I'ma say what I feel And I promise to keep it real Welcome to the Red Room Well, you gotta be a rider till your fears are diminishing, the doubts are behind ya. It's hard to grind, and the business got me stressed in the rent room. We let that shit up off our chest. You know, the street nerd has got no time for no caca. Sass in class, yes, that's Mr. Bolakaja. Never have to guess when you're listening to Hilliard. He gon' bring more game than a shark playing billiards. It's all about the crap of screenwriting. It's exciting when you turn an outline into something enlightening. Your pen and words are like bullets in a gun. Write what you feel, say what you want. Welcome to the Red Room. Because I noticed one thing I noticed about you is you, I mean, you're, you're, you're like a philosopher freaking person to me, but you're with that with, with writing and with directing. Mm-hmm. I noticed like you really study your craft, yeah. which is one of the things I really appreciate about Chris. Yeah. <clears throat> when he came onto the show, I felt like the show really elevated having somebody who has such a knowledge of film like that. Yeah, he's film good. You know what I mean? Sure. I love it. He's a total, you know, cinephile. Yeah. And, um, and um, um, but I notice that about you all the time. Whenever I hear you talk about film, how you light up about lighting or whatever the thing is, or something you just researched and did whatever, um, that's just fascinating to me. Yeah. Well, I, you know, it's partially cinephile. <laughs> <laughs> you know, film geek to film geek. You know, um, it's 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 a rabbit hole. And if you really, really love it, you just keep going down. You know, like I fucking fell asleep like three nights ago watching a movie. Mm-hmm. And then I woke up and when I woke up, I thought about another movie because I had watched that movie and then just started watching the other movie. Because <laughs> uh, I'm always trying to learn. But I also, I also realized that It gives, knowing the specific language breaks the barrier of color. Mm. For sure. For sure. sure. You know, I've I've been in situations where, uh, oh, the black guy wants to make a movie? Oh, that's nice. (laughs) And then when I get through talking about Fritz Lang Mm. Mm -hmm. and you know, and his, uh, you know, bringing noir back again, Mm -hmm. his, his, you know, him being the inspiration of noir, but not starting with M, but starting with the Mabusa films that Mm -hmm. he made um, or talking about um, uh, John Huston and Asphalt Jungle because everybody knows John Huston and Maltese Falcon or talking about uh, how James Cagney went on strike against Warner Brothers, mm. then they have to stop. Mm. And I've seen, I've, there's literally a transformative look on their face. Yes, yes, because they don't expect you to know it. When they go, <clears throat> oh. <laughs> I didn't even know that. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, well, see, just real quick, the, 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 the conventional wisdom is you're black and you know about black cinema and that's really about it. And you don't know about our kind of classics and stuff like that. And what's great if you can quote a film like Asphalt Jungle is, as opposed to Maltese Falcon, is that they know that you're not a dilettante in mm-hmm. in looking at the old stuff. Right, you know, you're not you, looking at the top 100. Re, yeah, you know, you know what, I'm going to go to like, 
you know, to to, to the bottom one thousand kind of thing because there's because there, because there's gems to be mined in all of that stuff that you don't expect, and you and this you find stuff that you don't. <clears throat> Look, the thing that the thing that I love about m- movies the most is that you find is who said this one time? I think it was maybe Peter Bogdanovich. He said there are no old movies; there's movies you haven't seen yet. <laughs> no, I like that. That's good. And because there's stuff you can find in a film from 40 years ago, 50 years ago that mm-hmm. you're like that can help me right now. Mm-hmm. And I just tweak it a little bit to what I want, what I'm trying to do. But it's, I mean, it was, I'm, I watched this movie last night, this this Fassbender film, and I was like. This is really cool. I've never seen this type of, and it's so unique. Mm-hmm. His vision is uh, uh, the bitter tears of Petra von Kant. Mm-hmm. It's so unique that you're like, they will never make a movie like this yeah. ever again. Yeah. And but there's a, but there's there's stuff in there that you're like, I can use. And and you know what? I know no one else is watching this movie. I know no one is <laughs> because it's 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 too, it's too it's too. Um, uh, avant garde. It's avant garde. It's, it's too. It's like the little girl who won the spelling bee. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What's that with her last name? I was tripping out. I was like, yeah. that's wild. That's wild. But, but, but to me, if you, you know, like you said, the rabbit holes you go in when you're making a movie, thinking about movies, the lighting, the editing, it's the difference between that I find from that and doing a television is you as the filmmaker have such a like such a command over what you're trying to put out there you know how it's, how it's going to be cut mm-hmm. how it's going to be lit for what purposes you know are you trying to tell the story that you don't always get when you're writing a television particularly when you're directing you know like if you're directing television that's not up to you at all you got showrunner studio everyone that's coming and doing their passes like 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 actor that you've done in your past but your ability to like determine what is going to be seen from you know from the concept meeting forward is the part that makes it to, to me the most exciting part about about, about doing that. Right. Right. Yeah. For me it's just um <clears throat> film just don't belong to y'all. Even <laughs> if there ain't many of us in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and and <clears throat> and when I find a filmmaker that I like, I do a deep dive not only into the films that they make, but I buy books on them. Yeah. You know? Um, and and because I want to know their process. Again, going back to this mentorship thing, a lot of the mistakes that I didn't make or the things that I was prepared for was because I read books about Michael Curtiz and the mistakes that he made when he was doing Casablanca Mm -hmm. or White Heat or something like that. Or, uh, you know, you think about John Ford, Howard Hawks, how they came up in their careers. Uh, uh, or you start reading about like uh, more independent filmmakers again, John Sayles or uh, uh, Gus Van Zandt, or there's this guy who's probably the biggest inspiration uh, was a guy named Gary Winnick hmm. that nobody knows about, but he did that movie <clears throat> with Jennifer Garner called 13 Going on 30. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, Winnick was a New Yorker, yeah. And this was at the very beginning of the Panasonic phase. Mm-hmm. They finally came up with the 24P camera. And he said, there are so many talented people in New York who aren't working. We're going to make independent films. We're going to make them for 200000 We're going to post them for 100000 And we're going to like try to get them in the film festivals. And mm-hmm. he did 10 of them. Wow. And those 10 films were the, were the intro of the new mm. independent system in Hollywood. Okay. 
you know, and and he died of a brain cancer. He died of brain cancer. Um, but my interest in film isn't my interest in our business. Mm-hmm. It's I I I took what used to be the comic book geek in me <laughs> and let him loose on film. Mm. Uh, and so when I have conversations with people, I look at it the same way I really respect Eminem. Mm. Like Eminem, whatever you may say about him, Eminem didn't just dive into hip hop. Right. Eminem lived in hip hop. And he knows all of these people, the background, people that we've forgotten about. You know, he studied his craft. Mm -hmm. He keeps a dictionary next to him. You know, so you can't just say, oh, that dude was in it because he thought, you know, as a white rapper, he could get famous. Mm -hmm. He didn't give a damn about getting famous. He wanted to be true to his craft, right? So when I look at this business, if you came to my house, if, if I if if I should have sent you uh, pictures of my bookshelves, mm-hmm. interviews with composers, interviews with editors, interviews with sound designers, interviews with you know like people that you will never hear of, mm-hmm. never know their names, not because I want to sit and have the conversations, it's because I want to understand my craft mm-hmm. and where where it. But the other purpose is. Oh, you want to talk about rom-coms? You want to start with Lionel Barrymore on mm. doing 20th Century? Or do mm. you want to go to His Girl Friday? Or do you want to go to Capra? Or do you want to go to Preston Sturges? Or do you mm. want to go to Frank Tashlin? Now you know not to... F- don't test don't me. fuck me exactly. with me because me. of my color. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, mm. and, I, and I'm telling you, it's so... the the. <laughs> you can see it. I mean, look, I've been in those. I, look, you see, if you mention a movie that they love, that's some obscure gem that they don't think that you know, that you would, like, you can see them turn on a dime. Because mm-hmm. they realize it's like, oh, I have to now, I have to, uh, like, I have to address you differently. Because if you knew about this, then. I don't know what else you know about, but I can't put a limit on you because you're black. Yeah, I can't be dismissive. Right. Let me ask you. Let me ask you a question, though, Charles. Just talking about this. So, being somebody who does TV and film, because mm-hmm. <clears throat> you know, for many years, like you had to stay in one lane or whatever. Yeah, I didn't believe that. Well, anybody <laughs> but you, of course. But I was just going to ask, like, how was it for you that that? I mean, you're already a successful, you know, uh, TV and film TV producer and writer and producer. Did you have any pushback from your reps when you're like, I'm going to make a movie, for example? Sure. Okay. Did I care about it? <laughs> I look, here's my argument. Where'd you see Cooley High? Where'd I see Cooley High? Mm-hmm. This uh, this revival theater in Cleveland? Cleveland That's the first Heights? time you saw it? Yeah, I was, like, I was like in high school, I think. Maybe younger. Okay. Where'd you see Casablanca? I think on TV. Bingo. Hmm. Where did you see Herbie the Love Book? On TV, that I remember. So, the way I look I at- I might have saw it at the movie because I was, I was that age, but yeah. No, you weren't. You, were, you was a baby. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> the way I look at it as a writer, okay. when someone says, are you a writer? I go, yes. Mm-hmm. But the next question you gotta ask me is, 
Do you write novels? Do you write short stories? Do you write poems? Do you write haiku? <laughs> do you write <laughs> essays? Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I do a little bit of all of it. Because I take the letters, the 26 of them, and mm-hmm. I turn them into words, and then I <laughs> structure them accordingly. Right. First time I saw Frankenstein, it was on TV. First time I saw The Wolfman, it was on TV. Right. First time I saw the commercial for The Exorcist was on TV. Sure, I went to the movie theater. It was a big-ass TV. Mm-hmm. So when someone says to me, like, before you even talk about um, you've got to choose TV over film, Within TV, people would tell me I had to stick to a certain genre. Mm, there's right. that. Hey, yep. you write cop shows. Why are you writing this? Because I can. <laughs> right. You know, well, you, you know, it's going to be hard for me to pitch you. Okay. You want that money? Mm-hmm. Make it work. You better sing for your supper mm. rep. Not don't be, you know. Yeah. <laughs> you no, know. I don't mean, don't don't put me in the in the two minute call. Right. I like being in the five minute call. Mm-hmm. You got to explain me, right. you know. So when when I was a kid, in in addition to taking pictures of those buildings and stuff like that, you know, I'm one of my favorite producers of all times, Gary Marshall. Mm. Odd Couple's one of my favorite shows uh, of all I mean, time. I love that show. Next thing I know, Gary Marshall's <laughs> doing movies, mm-hmm. and I'm like, oh, we can do it all. Mm-hmm. Let's go, Bill Cosby. Ugh, sorry, <laughs> um, but people, we're talking about him. The work he did, not work, what he did. Yes, but people know the Cosby Show. People don't know the Bill Cosby Show, right. where there he was, played Chet Kincaid. Yeah. Oh yeah, he was a high 70s, school teacher. Yeah. Nineteen seventy-two. Mm-hmm. Same time he was doing Uptown Saturday Night. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Let's do it again. So in my mind, you go where the form takes you. Right. So when someone else says, hey, make it easy on me, I'm a black man. <laughs> and it ain't been easy on none exactly. of my peoples for right. a long time. Mm-hmm. So, Well, you know, it's, it's interesting. We, I, you know, I bring it back to what you said about Steven Spielberg. It's like, you know, he started doing, he was doing those home movies. He did television. His, the, the, his breakout film, Duel, was, was, the, a TV was, movie. was a TV when movie. When he said that thing about Netflix, I was like, how you talking? <laughs> I love you to death, but how you talking about not having having movies be on Netflix and and at the theaters when your first movie was on TV and then played in the theaters because, in Europe? This, but this is what I'm talking about: mm-hmm. forgetting your mm-hmm. own past. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah I'm agnostic. I'm agnostic about it, uh, every damn thing right. in life. Right. You know, so. I'm not going to let form determine. But you rub off on a lot of people. I want you to know that, um, myself included, in lots of situations. I, I've heard people say, "I was channeling Charles Murray oh, Lord. when I went on this thing." <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Whew. You know, oh, well, you, I'm sorry. You let that agent go. I was Charles. I was channeling Charles Murray. Mm. You know, you quit that job. I was channeling Charles Murray. So it's almost like another T-shirt we had to put out. Yeah. <laughs> T-shirt, yeah, shit. (laughs) But I mean, look, I mean, here's the thing. I think that was great about now, but also, you know, like I always thought it was such a strange thing that it was like you had to be someone who could only do one, Mm -hmm. and I was like, why? Because you see, I mean, the the I I remember there was those moments where 
somewhere around like between Jackie Brown and Kill Bill. I want to say didn't like Tarantino like do some episodes of like Alias ER? or something like that. Yeah, ER because yeah. he was like, I want to try it. I want to do it because mm-hmm. I can. Mm-hmm. You know, ERCSI. He but he had chosen not to do television. Yeah, like, right. I'm not, until he. Yeah. But yeah. my thing is, anytime someone says to me, or anytime anybody says you should only do, mm. that ain't about the doing. That's about that person's vision. Mm. Because if I can come up with one example, then I proved you wrong. If there are so many examples that we just fall over them, then you're telling me to make a choice that's easier for you. I don't want to make nothing easier for you. Hell, I don't want to make things easier for myself. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, so complacent when it's easy. (laughs) I just don't. I don't like easy. I don't trust easy. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. There's something about it when it's easy. You're like, eh. It's like, yo, it was easy dating that person. And then you wake up one night and they're like standing over you with a (laughs) pair of scissors. It's like, that's why it was easy. You know, but I just, when it comes to, my father was a functioning alcoholic. And he worked 34 years in the steel mill. He only missed two weeks total sick days. He only Uh took two weeks worth of sick days in 34 years. And I mean, he would, I saw him drive off, go to work. Like say he was working uh, three to 11, Mm -hmm. 3 p.m. to 11 p.m. He would pull up in front of the house, the phone would ring and they would want him to come back. Mm -hmm. My first, my father was the first black steel pourer in Youngstown sheet and tube in Indiana. Wow. Right? So, you know, I'm a generation removed from a first. Yeah. And I'm a generation removed from a person who couldn't overcome his own sickness, alcoholism, mm-hmm. but yet it never got in the way of his work ethic. So he's functioning. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. So he would <clears throat> he would go on a bender and when that alarm rang, he would sit up, groan. Mm. take a shower and he would walk out of the door and there were some days I'd see him after eight hours there's some days I wouldn't see him till after 16 wow but he never ever mispoured hmm. he ne- he was like the dude that people would say that's who you want to be like if you want to do this job yeah. so he had to be better than the white man first. right <laughs> yeah. and so for yeah. me you know, my mother was born in 1928. My father was born in 1926. Mm-hmm. And they would tell me about the shit that they had to go through racially. Yeah. This ain't nothing. Yeah. True. You want to tell me that I need to stick to a, a different genre? I'm going to tell you about the time my father w- w- tried to pay a bill and got called a nigga just because he wanted to pay a bill mm. by the person he was paying the bill to. <laughs> this ain't nothing. So if I got to go the extra mile just to fulfill what's in my head, mm. I'll do it. You know, like the first what things never said. I wrote that script in 2003. My manager sent the script around town. There was interest. People wanted to do it. I would come aboard as a producer. I was like, no, I want to direct it because it's, kind of, it's my mother's story. Mm. And my manager was like, no, you you sell this one and you. And I said, nah, I'm good. What do you mean you're good? You can make some money off of this. I'm good. And that script sat. Mm. And then in 2011, sitting across from my 
uh, wife, I said, I got to make this movie because this whole write your way into directing thing. Mm -hmm. Here's what black folk listen to me. Turn it up now. Here's what they don't tell you. If you stay in the lanes that they choose for you, you can have more success. <laughs> That's why I don't fight for success. Mm. Because to get to the point of success that they want to say, crown him, right. is not, it's not mostly anything I want to do. I want to make movies that Sidney Lumet made. I want to make movies that Hal Ashby right. made. I want to make movies that- That sound like you. <laughs> you. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. You know this for sure. That's not what they want us to make. Nope. They do not want you to do that at all. Yeah, if, can if, there if, be if, a little boogie in it? It's the conversation you have, you know, when you want to do something that is not their perception of the lane that, that they want you in is very it's, it's just like you're like fuck this is terrible yeah. but the thing is i mean look it's part i mean yeah, give me some michael schultz give me some early stan lathan mm -hmm. give I, me some ivan dixon mm -hmm. they don't i think the thing that you said that i really love is the film is not theirs no it's not because it's one of the things that like that like i was able to cultivate is a bunch of relationships of like of foreign money mm. because because movies are made everywhere and they're made in ways that we love everywhere television has got a specific thing you're trying to do for the american audience doesn't matter if you're making these shows for netflix and play over the world you still gotta like like go through a gauntlet of these people who have an idea about what they think that you should be doing as a black writer or a black director or sure. black creator you know <clears throat> whereas if you i mean i mean i have a guy who wants to do my movie you know i, I got a germany and he's like, I'm going to do this movie. I don't care about the rest of the shit. You know, mm -hmm. it's like, I'm going to do this movie. And that is, there's a sense of liberation about that, that, that I think it, that just comes from making a movie, mm -hmm. you know, that you Well, and TV, because you think of Yvette Lee Bowser, you yeah. think of Shonda, yeah, yeah. you think of Kevin Arkadai, you mm -hmm. think of Charles Holland, mm -hmm. you think of uh, 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 Eric Monte, right. you know, those people, they weren't just paving the road, they were mm -hmm. building it. Building yeah. it. You know, sure. and, yeah. and 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 they made it clear that by the time we got our asses here, you had a choice. Now, again, the choice comes down to what you want to put in your pocket, what you want to put in the bank. Because demanding independence, mm -hmm. look at look at Spike. Spike's still arguing about the stuff that he doesn't <laughs> get to do right. because he's an outspoken person right. who happens to be a brilliant filmmaker. Mm -hmm. You know, John had to finally finance Hustle and Flow. Right. <clears throat> you gotta you gotta understand what happens when your palm is open and they're placing things in it. You know, so like I was saying, I got to twenty eleven and I said I want to make this movie. I scrabbled together three hundred thousand dollars. Mm -hmm. But here was the thing that was interesting. A friend of mine from middle school hmm. was out in, out here way before I made the movie. And he said, look, man, when we were in the seventh grade in, in math class, your ass would be sitting behind me writing scripts. Hmm. And here you are. If there's anything ah, you, you ever need. You material hearing stories. You know, I love that shit. Yeah, man. Uh, if there's anything you ever need, call me. And I called hmm. him one day and I said, I need 100 grand. Hmm. I said, because I started shooting this movie and it's going to cost me like 300000 to finish it. Right. 
when I'm sending you some scenes that were cut and I'm sending you the script. And he called me back two days later and he said, what's your account number? Hmm. Right? Wow. So while in my TV life, right. people would like lean forward like something out <laughs> of a Terry Gilliam movie on Fish Eye Lands and go, are you really making a movie for $300,000? And I was like, yeah. And they were like, it can't be done. I said, well, watch. Hmm. Right, because mm -hmm. digital had come in. That's why when people go, oh, I mean, you probably are <laughs> one of these nerds. <laughs> Film over digital at any time. No, no. I think My you man. you used to be, but you crossed over. No, I no. Think. Because see, <laughs> this is the thing, right? You can either say it's it's one, it's about the production triangle. Right. So there's that you have to deal with. Two, it's like if you understand the aesthetics of a digital camera. You make it work for you, and you'll get what you want. You just have to understand that, like right. change See, lenses. But my, but my thing, right? ain't. you just you just go, hey, you, hey, guess what? It's digital. I can do this for cheap. That's no, look, that's not my thing. Well, tell me, my thing is fuck film because film was uh, bourgeois. <laughs> And it was the thing that kept people of color. That's true. That's mm. very true. Oh, that's true. That's there's there's that there's because by the there. time you had to buy a roll of thirty five, because yeah. you couldn't just buy Definitely one roll. You got to buy, it. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then you had to process it. Yep. Yeah. Then you had to color time it. You got to get printed. Right. You got to cut. You got to cut it. You got to do the negative cutting. In addition to the, all of that shit was basically here's the house you can't enter. Yep. Mm. And when digital hit, mm -hmm. look at how. Right iTunes movie section looks now. Yeah. Because Asian films, yep. Indian films. Yep. It's like digital was like, hey, y'all, come on in. And I mm -hmm. said, I, I know the president of Red. Right. And I sent him a very long email saying, if anybody says anything to you other than you are the start of a revolution that is about the people, mm. Tell them to go fuck themselves. <laughs> well, Whether so, you like red or not, because if you don't like red, red yeah. Aerie stepped up its game because of red. Yep. Canon stepped, stepped up, up their game. game. Yep. Nikon stepped up their yep. game. Panasonic but more than anything, mm -hmm. when people, look at Matt Cherry shooting fucking nine rides on iPhones. Mm -hmm. It opened up the gate in a way that the gatekeepers had kept on mm -hmm. our necks yep. for a long time, yep. right? So when I made this movie, it was because of digital. It was because of the ease. You don't need to have right. 20 Ks was, and yeah. 18 Ks and mm -hmm. all that shit. One of the scenes in the movie that people love the most mm -hmm. is Omari and Shinola sitting on the curb on Fairfax and Melrose. Mm -hmm. And we put them under the sodium vapor Oh, really? Streetlight. It's all there, yeah. Wow. And shot it from across Almost the street. Almost natural. On the <laughs> exactly. Yeah. No, right? but yeah, but, yeah. but, but basically, again, that's the aesthetic that you get from that camera that, you know, I mean, like, I we'll think, look, I think what you're saying is absolutely true. I, I, I always remember when I was watching Hearts of Darkness, mm -hmm. that Francis Coppola said, once they have the video, the cost to acquire images to is cheap, it becomes a more democratic it becomes thing more to democrat make movies. Exactly. And oh, so said about it, the yeah, Asian girl in Hawaii. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and and so so the so the thing about shooting digital is there's a flexibility to it mm -hmm. in uh, you know across the board mm -hmm. that that you can't ignore that you know th that it it takes some of these kind of like these limitations you ha you might have on your head and you know that are self-imposed and throws them out the window. Mm -hmm. You're like, you know what? Like you're just saying, 
So I can go shoot under the sun in vapor light and be fine with it. Whereas if I had to shoot this way with a movie camera, with a film camera, I don't know if I can do that. You but know? see, that was the thing because subsequently you found out that that was a lie because yeah. fucking Stanley Kubrick was shooting Barry Lyndon mm-hmm. yeah. with mm-hmm. all yeah. candlelight. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You started seeing like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, but you, I don't know why you would want to do digital because you could <laughs> shoot the same thing with film. Exactly. Like how come you motherfuckers wasn't saying that early <laughs> on? How come you wasn't giving away the tricks, right? Right. right. At anytime, anything that democratizes this country it's of way more value than the thing that separated. Right. And that includes film and digital. Well, well, look, here's the thing that I remember reading something about um, Pedro um, Amodovar, right? Mm-hmm. He was saying that, like, his producer, his brother produced all his films. He was saying the movies never cost more than $10 million, you know? And I was like, what? Because you look at them and, 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 and they rival the American kind of dramas, you know, like, like, like of that type. Not in, not in, Content, mm-hmm. but I was like, "This is this thing." Yeah, it looks like the twenty, thirty million dollar. Yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. I, was, I was like, "This is this thing in America where they fuck you with what they're telling you, much is going to cost, and uh, it's gatekeeper shit. It's stuff to like scare you from trying to do it, mm-hmm. and it just made me say, there's ways to do all this stuff and not be beholden to the like you said earlier about hey, you can't make the three hundred thousand dollar film mm-hmm. unless you come to us, mm-hmm. you know, and it's like you can." You absolutely can, and you should, and you should not feel like uh, that, that. There's these, there's these gates in front of you about how to do it. I mean, something that something like something that we do with on our show, like we fight. I mean, I'm constantly shocked at some of the budgets about stuff we do for VFX, and I'm kind of like, why are they stuck doing this this way? I know there's other shows that I've seen that have half the budget that are doing more, and it's just, and I'm like, well, they're using these guys here in town, and I was like. Well, then they're fucking themselves. They lock themselves <laughs> like into some sort of like uh, um, some deal or whatever. Not even a deal, just some contract about what they want to do that is not really beneficial for what the ultimate, the end game is going to be. Right. You know, and I see that across the board with when tr- trying to do stuff in a certain way where it's like if you're a true filmmaker and, and, and if you're making these indie projects, do everything you can to put the, to put the limited money you have on the screen because... We've seen stuff that will blow your mind for no money. But that's why the line producer, in my opinion, is so important. Um, I'm, I'm working on this movie we're supposed to be shooting in the fall mm-hmm. in Louisiana. We're doing it for a million. I mean, it went up, of course, a little bit because of COVID. Right. <clears throat> and we're going to do it for like, I think like seven twenty-five or something initially. And now it went up. Anyway, and so we've had a couple of different people do the budget mm-hmm. and the two or three people that I went through, I was like, mm-mm, mm. you, these are just regular numbers. Mm. I need you to put on your Louisiana hat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like if we were in LA, I'd be like, okay, mm. I know who friend who owns this building. Right. I know, I need you to do that. I don't right. need you to do this. Right. Right. You know? And see, because you have that experience, you right. can stand on top of that person right. and right. see that they do that. Right. Right. That's why I'm saying, going back to everything we were talking about earlier, the knowledge is way more valuable than the money right. because your knowledge is going to figure out a way to save right. money. Money, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, but you, coming all the way back to your original <laughs> question, the reason that I do both is because I do both too. We we all do. I was just curious yeah. of you know what was your transition? Yeah, I, was like, I go why not? Right. You know, real right. simple. Yeah, because I mean, I wouldn't even have signed with my reps if they weren't open to that. Right. So I, I totally understand. I wasn't more so just like curious of, because people listen to the show. Mm-hmm. They're like, wow, like, 
maybe that's why because he's already big that he was able they don't realize that it wasn't always easy like that no, that's, that's, no. Uh, we cleaned out our bank account uh, I borrowed against my 401k I oh, borrowed right. against insurance we were like fucking broke so you put all of it in there yeah okay but okay. it was my wish mm-hmm. was to make film right and make a movie I won't even call it a film uh and I had dominion over it. Mm. The question was, uh, was I going to do it their way or was I going to do it my way? And every person that I've read about who chose to do it their own way, <clears throat> there are sacrifices to be made. Right. So I wasn't like sitting there going, oh, my God, I'm spending my own money. I mm. was like, yeah, I'm spending my own money. Right. You, you knew what you were getting into. Mm-hmm. Mm. You know. But I'll tell you something. Sure. Here's something that's interesting about it. So I make the movie in 2011. Um, actually, I don't know if you saw this post, but June 2011 was my first day of, sh- somewhere in June 2011 was my first day of shooting Things Never Said. Mm-hmm. And on the anniversary of the first day of shooting, I was shooting this movie I just. Mm. Oh, really? Right. Mm-hmm. Did you, was that purpose or just No, timing? it just happened. Interesting. Right. And I had I had taken a picture of Omar Mm-hmm. through the video monitor and someone had taken a picture of Shinola and me <laughs> looking at the video monitor so Dope. and they had the same look Dope. on their faces mm-hmm. and I was like okay I don't get to here if I didn't do that right so mm-hmm. it comes back to what do you value and I'm willing to invest in me mm-hmm. all the time when uh, when I made the movie when I, that shot, and I'll, I'll look for it. I, I called cut mm-hmm. and ran out of the front door because really? I shot at my house. Mm-hmm. Ran out of the front door because the bus with my foster son was getting ready to pull away. <laughs> and I'm sitting here going, finish the scene, finish the scene, finish the scene. And cut. And it wow. ran out. <laughs> and it was like, um, if you read about John Cassavetes, mm-hmm. He talks about how he and Jenna Rollins constantly mortgage their house. Mm. If you read about Erwin Winkler doing Rocky, mm-hmm. he got money because he mortgaged his house. Wow. You know, and so I didn't achieve Rocky fame, mm-hmm. uh, uh, but a week ago, I think. So twenty, it came out in 2013, so that's mm-hmm. nine years ago, 10 years ago. No, that's eight years ago. 10 years ago, I shot it. Uh, I'm on my Twitter page and this woman just I was watching things never said it's my favorite movie yeah oh that's good that's like right yeah. and I've had that's several tough. of those mm-hmm. I've, I've had this I was at a party one night and this woman said to me she goes I want you to meet my friend and she introduced me to this woman and she goes she loves movies you love movies y'all should talk yeah. and I was like that's weird <laughs> And she walked mm. off, and so I said, all right, you love movies, I love movies, let's talk. Mm. And she goes, what's your favorite movie? And I said, well, I got a couple, and I'm you know, 12 Angry Men, mm. um, uh, Cooley High, uh, Verdict. Well, Charles, you have a really good taste in movies. Thank you. <laughs> uh, and so- <laughs> My favorite is West Side Story. People are always blown away when I love I'm that, talking. oh my it's God. My favorite movie. You, listen, we Dude. can do a whole thing on Dude, this. Dude, let me just say this little thing. Trip, when they did the Oscars, and, 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 and they showed the first trailer, 
I was bawling. Yeah. My husband came in the room like, what the fuck happened? Yeah, yeah. And I was like, yeah. they just showed websites. I was like, oh my God. Yeah. I'm sorry, go Singing in the Rain <laughs> is one of my favorite movies, yeah. top five. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and she, I said, what's your favorite movie? She goes, you probably haven't heard of it. <laughs> and I said, I've heard of a lot of movies. <laughs> and she goes, yeah, but it's not a dude movie. And she says, you know who Omari Hardwick is? As soon as she said that, I knew where she was going. <laughs> really? What a coincidence. And, and I said, yeah. I said, dude from power and she said um, yeah he made this poetry movie with Shanola Hampton from Shameless <laughs> it's called Things Never Said and I, said, I said really hilarious. and she said you've never heard of it I said never <laughs> and kept like kept going but what I'm saying I is I love that about you John. I mean you know cause I don't care I know I just, you just don't care That's but the mean. beauty of it to me is at that moment mm-hmm. I could go all the way back to why the 12 year old wanted to make movies because he had that experience that she was having Mm. and other people. Now there are certain people look, when it first came out, there were people who were hate watching it Mm. on Twitter. Of course. So I would get on their account at the end (laughs) and go, this was fun. Thank you. And they'd go, who are you? And I was the, the director of the movie. Right. No, you ain't. And I, I would be like, just rewind it, look at the name. And you know, because I hate movies. So I'm like, of course, I don't understand when creative people go, I can't take criticism. It's like, do y'all hear how you yourselves talk about shit? We go in too. We go in, right? Exactly, for sure. So I, I love the people who hated it, as much as they're I'm, talking about it, at least they're talking about right. it, right? But at a certain point, when we were on the film festival circuit, mm-hmm. someone would come up to me. They would stand up in the Q and A, or they would come up to me after, and they would say, "My mother went through abuse like that, mm-hmm. and I never could understand it until I saw it." Or I went through abuse like right. that, and I and I didn't know how to share it with anybody, and I didn't know how to find my power. Right your movie has helped me understand certain things. Right. And how important is money in comparison to that? Mm. Mm. Like you said, when you see West Side Story, mm-hmm. when you saw the trailer, right. when you think of the original, right. there's no, uh, th- that touches the very thing that makes you want to be creative. Right. And that's all I care about doing is touching the thing that made me want to be creative and sharing it with others through right. the stuff that I make. Right. That's why I turn down jobs all the time. I don't turn down jobs because shit, I need money. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And I need it because my kids need it. Right. Like I could be a hermit living in a fucking whatever, but right. when my kid goes, hey, I want to go to college, I go, well, I guess I got to start typing, <laughs> exactly. right? But I don't need it. Mm-hmm. What I desire is that creative connection that happens between me, you, Chris, right. Gino, mm-hmm. Carl, right. Ava, mm-hmm. Lena, you know, and you just keep going out mm-hmm. farther and farther. And you think about the fact that at some point, someone has seen something that we've worked on and we'll never fucking meet and it may have changed their mind. Mm. Well, look, that, That's think, real. Look, was, yeah. see, that is the thing I love about <laughs> writing stuff and creating stuff and getting out there you never know who reads it and how it changes them but the fact that you know it is being read is 
you know, because it's out there, it's been published, it's whatever it is like on the platform. That is kind of like there's this. I, I, for me, there's a sense of excitement about that. That's. I mean, I'm not chasing that, but it's interesting mm-hmm. to know that that's happening. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, like, and it has no expiration date. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's the great thing about yeah creative work is you watch a movie that Robert Wise made before you were born Mm -hmm. and he probably died when you were like in your teens Mm -hmm. and his work will continue on. Your work will continue on, you know, that that's the thing. Like 10 years later, nine, eight years later for someone that's like tweet me and say, this is my favorite movie. Wow. And I, you know, for a while, all I thought about was like, man, I went broke making this movie. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I had to, I had to come out of my pocket for maybe like another hundred grand, mm-hmm. like later, because I decided to self-distribute it in mm-hmm. theaters and all this other kind of stuff. And I was inspired by Matt Terry because that's what he was doing with Last Fall. Mm-hmm. But to know that while I'm out here scratching my head and my ass trying to figure out what's going to be on page seven, mm-hmm. there's someone who is sitting with my movie wow. going, oh, and now I can reach out to this dude. Something I was never able to do mm-hmm. when I was growing up mm-hmm. and I was younger, mm-hmm. you know. But he, this woman in South Africa uh, got a bootleg. <laughs> And she sent me and she sent me a DM and she said, "Listen, I, you know, I'm sure this is not something you want to hear, uh, but I found your movie, and I watch it every week." Wow. Hmm. And I think about all the movies that I watch mm-hmm. every week, yeah. or the yeah. movies that I return to, mm-hmm. and, what, mm-hmm. and, and mm-hmm. it's like that's why I say it doesn't belong to them. Hmm. Yeah. It belongs to all of us. Mm-hmm. And now with the democratization, now with the fact that you can do things smaller, you can choose to make a lot of dough. You can choose to take a stand Mm -hmm. or you can just choose to exist and make the things that mean something to you, however you make them. Right. John Carpenter's movies mean just as much to me as Sidney Lumet's movies. Mm-hmm. Oh, fucking, I just watched The Thing again last week. <laughs> yeah, just like, true. God damn, this motherfucker, like, what was he doing? <laughs> you know? But if you choose to be true to yourself, all that shit will come. Mm. That's, that, that's, I needed that today. This is, I needed this one today. This, lots, lots of game. So. You know? I'm, I'm really glad you came today. I know a lot of this shit is like, they, people are going to be like, I got to listen to this shit again. Because he <laughs> was over here and he listen was over here. Let's do it again. Let's do it again. You don't have to, but. Nah, let's do it again. I'm probably going to break this off into two episodes. Cool. That's cool. Um, but it's going to drop tomorrow. All right. And probably the following Monday. You cool with that? Yeah, it's great. Yeah, for sure. Um, but, yeah, you know, I just, I just think it's important. I think it's important to share. I think when Spike went through what he went through mm-hmm. to make She's Gotta Have It, when I was living in, that's when I was living in Texas. Mm-hmm. And I remember going to see She's Gotta Have It. And I started crying mm. because I was like, that dude and every everybody in that movie looks like people I know. Right. And that movie looks like a place that I would live in. Mm-hmm. And nobody's answering to, here come the white folks, we gotta be nice. <laughs> it was right. just black folks being black folks. Right. And I walked out of the theater and I was waiting on the 
bus and I just broke down. Mm. And I went, that man just said to me across 2,000 miles, right. you can do this. Mm. And that was worth every dollar I'll ever earn. Right. You know, And I remember I was, I was in Vegas. That's what I was. I was in mm -hmm. Vegas, and things was at the ABFF. He was at the McGregor fight. He lied. Hmm? <laughs> I said you was at the McGregor fight. No, no, my daughter was was uh, running. Mm -hmm. uh, she was, uh, yeah, she was running. No, 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 no. My 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 uh, my brother in law's kids were in a football tournament, okay. and my phone rings, and uh, my high school uh, friend who he went to ABFF because I couldn't go. Mm -hmm. And he said, yo, you just won Best Screenplay. Wow. And I went, okay, cool. I'll call you back. <laughs> then he called me again and he said, Shinola just won Best Actor. Wow. And I said, okay, cool. I'll call you back. Hmm. Then he go, he calls me back again. He goes, ain't you excited about none of this shit? And I'm like, no, I'm not really. <clears throat> because it's going to be what it's going to be. If I didn't win, it didn't make mean that my movie was. Right. right? And mm. then we won Audience Award. Mm. And my wife yells at me, why are you on the phone? <laughs> and I'm like, he keeps calling me. <laughs> and so, you know, we, we got the awards mm. and they were sitting on my shelf for years. And I was just like, people were like, oh yeah. I was like, yeah. And then I thought, oh, I know what to do with them. And so I packed them up mm. and I sent them to my friend. Mm. And I said, this doesn't happen without me and you meeting in the seventh grade. Wow. And rekindling a friendship. Mm -hmm. And you're like a brother to me now. I would rather these sit on your shelf mm. than mine. Mm -hmm. Because what I wanted happened. I got the movie made. Right. You know. So I you know, the way I look at this business. This is the story I tell everybody. Sure. When F. Scott Fitzgerald died on Melrose and Fairfax, it was, he was in an apartment building. He was, mm -hmm. I think, I, I want to say he died from cirrhosis. I could be wrong, but he was a down and out drunk at the time. Mm -hmm. And all of his books were out of print. Mm. He died thinking he was a failure. Mm. There was no way he was going to know The Great Gatsby was going to be one of the most premier books, most read books. Right. Know this wherever you are in your journey. If you get this done, it will carry you forward. Wow. Yeah. That's the most important thing. Right. On that note, Thank you, Charles. You're welcome. That was bars right there. Thank you. Thank you, man. Yeah, for sure, man. It's great having you on. It's great having you, you on. Yeah. See, to me, despite, you know, we, we talked about having you on years ago, it doesn't matter. To me, timing is everything. And when you come, you know, you're here and you're on and you're giving some game. So for me, that's what's important. Cool. Um, can people follow you? Where are you at? No, not really. Oh, <laughs> uh, I know. I got an Instagram page. Um, Charles, I don't know what it is. I think I'll, I'll find it. Charles I'll find Murray. It. I have it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, film TV. 
There's an underscore in there. I forget where yeah. it is. I think it's yeah. Charles Murray. It's something like that. Underscore film TV. I don't fucking know. <laughs> uh, where you at, Chris? Derek? Uh, unauthorized CBD on Twitter and Instagram. Awesome. And uh, I am you a host. You should get a weed <clears throat> shop just because of that. Everybody, everybody thinks everybody. that. Everybody. It's, it's, everybody. it's not about that, right? It's something else. It's my right? middle no. initial. Oh, that's right. I'm going to start calling you the notorious one. Exactly. CBD. <laughs> Uh, and I'm your host, Hilliard Guest. You guys can find me on Twitter at Hilliard Guest on Clubhouse. God damn it, I always say Clubhouse. Um, on, <laughs> on, on Instagram at Hilliard Guest. You guys can follow the show. Screenwriters RR on Twitter. Any questions, screenwritersrantroom at gmail.com. Um, please go on iTunes, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, whatever you guys listen to, Spotify, we're everywhere. Please give us a five star review. We need that for the metrics. What else, Chris? Uh, you can support the show on ScreenwritersRR.com. You can find our Patreon link, and then you'll be able to find different tiers in which you can support the show. $5 a month, $2 a month, $10 a month, $25 a month. Oh, right. I'll, I'll do that. Yeah. You know, Thank you, man. it is. Yeah. And it's, uh, by the way, Charles' is, um, Instagram is Charles Murray, M-U-R-R-A-Y underscore film TV. There you go. Yeah, you were close. And Gino Brooks, follow this man. Find him. Yes, yes. find his show. Jones Johnson. Johnson's Uh, coming. Johnson is the thing that he's doing with Thomas. Okay, but he had a show on on YouTube called Jones. Oh yes, yes, yes. Black boots. Mm -hmm. Black boots. Yeah. Gino's phenomenal. Yeah. Follow Gino. Gino Brooks TV. You can find him. Um, We go ahead. You were saying that was it. You gave a Patreon. You did all that. Yeah. So I'm tripping. Um, yeah. So anyway, thank you guys. Uh, lots of good shit coming up. Um, God, I can't wait till you can fucking announce the goddamn show you're on. That's ridiculous. It's been over a year. We're still doing this shit. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> Chris is on. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, thank you guys. Jonah and me for Wakanda Forever. You guys know how we do it on the rant room. On the show, we keep it real. We keep it opinionated. We keep it what, y'all? Wakanda, Wakanda Forever. forever. Peace, y'all. I'ma say what I feel, and I promise to keep it real. Welcome to the Red Room. So you wanna be a rider? Well, you gotta be a rider till your fears are diminishing, the doubts are behind ya. It's hard to grind, and the business got me stressed in the Red Room. Let that shit up off our chest You know the street nerd has got no time for no caca Sass in class, yes that's Mr. Bolakaja Never have to guess when you're listening to Hillier He gon' bring more game than a shark playing billiards It's all about the crap of screenwriting It's exciting when you turn an outline into something enlightening Your pen and words are like bullets in a gun Write what you feel, say what you want Welcome to the Red Room